Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Wednesday, July 15th. S&P futures are trading up about 18 points. That is about 55 basis points. Major European indices are rallying about 70 to 80 basis points. There is a cyclical bias in Europe, so industrials, basic resources are trading very well. The exception to that are banks. So banks are trading off about 1% in Europe, and that's very similar to what you saw in the US yesterday, where cyclicals generally did well with the exception of banks, which came for sale. Asia was mixed overnight. Um, Mainland China suffered some losses. The rest of the indices traded well. So the only major real news out this morning since the US closed yesterday was that Moderna vaccine update that crossed, um, like I said, after after the Tuesday closed, Markets are celebrating that, although they've since faded from their highs. I sent around an update on it yesterday, and then I reiterated in the piece today, you know, just to keep some things in mind. And I know investors, the bar for celebrating these vaccine announcements is very, very low. But this Moderna news that was out last night is an expanded data set that was preliminarily released by the company about two months ago. Remember, that announcement helped rally the entire market, helped rally that Moderna shares into which Moderna subsequently um, you know, announced a huge secondary that they sold into it. So the news is an expanded data set. It's not really new. The conclusions on the vaccine, this preliminary conclusions in this very small subset of patients are the same as before. You just have some more documenting uh, information to back up their initial claims. So again, not really incremental information. And I think you know, just stepping back and looking at the bigger picture, you've seen evidence that a lot of these vaccine candidates are capable of producing antibodies um, the question is, though, whether or not those antibodies confer immunity. We, we don't know that yet. That's what these next phases of all these trials will determine, whether or not the antibodies actually will block infections from occurring. And then you also don't know how long the immunity will last for. And there's been a lot of evidence. There's an article again today that I put in the piece. It's probably the most important one to read in, as far as this whole issue is concerned. Just talking about how these antibodies thus far, the naturally forming antibodies for people who have um, beaten covid will only last for about a few months, um, you know, suggesting that these vaccines may not really provide long-term immunity. And again, it gets back to this concept that it's shaping up to be somewhat similar to a flu vaccine in that it's going to require annual, um, you know, it's going to require annual dosage, and then it may not even work in the entire population. So, you know, for a variety of reasons, I've been re- I've been writing about this, you know, for a while. I think the market is is focusing way too much on vaccines um, you know, the narrative around it being kind of this binary event whereby you're going to have a single breakthrough and everyone will get it and it's going to provide lifetime immunity. Um, I just think that's that's grossly overstating the the true nature of what's occurring. And then also the market is, you know, ignores what's occurring on the ground right now at the moment where you have continued cases, you have cases spiking, you have hospitalization spiking. And you have fatalities, unfortunately, are climbing as well. And while politicians are certainly avoiding wholesale lockdown measures like occurred in April and May, they are inc- they are implementing mitigation steps that that in aggregate will have a negative effect on growth. And also, it's going to hamper just the normal the normalization of economic behavior on the part of individuals as they curb their activities in response to the you know the the persistent COVID threat. So that's really kind of it as far as huge news. It's really a lot about Moderna. Like I said, you saw a big knee-jerk reaction higher. You are seeing you've seen prices now fade off of those levels. Um, you know, I think in, you know investors are kind of putting everything into context. It's not negative, but it certainly is not positive, especially given where we are. Especially given that this is you know stale news to a large extent. So other than Moderna, 
not too much else to talk about. Not a ton of eco data this morning. UK CPI was hotter than expected. Not all that important. Only the fact that it follows a hotter US CPI yesterday morning. So, you know, I don't think the market really needs to be worried about inflation at all, but it is interesting. You got two back to back firmer inflation readings uh, from the US and the UK. The Trump, China, Hong Kong announcement from last night, again, not terribly unexpected. I don't think that should be very disruptive to the US equity narrative. Markets seem to be most concerned about this phase one agreement. Both sides appear to be respecting the phase one agreement for the time being, even though China is undershooting its purchase commitments. It does not seem like the White House is really looking to revisit phase one, at least until after November. Um, you know, so I don't think the news from on Hong Kong would really is going to factor much into stocks. Although the bigger picture does point to the relationship between the two sides, it continues to materially deteriorate. But like I said, the market's most focused on that phase one agreement and that seems to be in place. Uh, nothing super incremental in the central banks. BOJ was right in line, complete non-event. You had a lot of dovish Fed commentary that was all out during trading on Tuesday. The Brainerd speech in particular was very dovish. Again, I think um, not to the extent that you really shift expectations as far as Fed policy is concerned. The next big deliverable from the Fed will be at the September meeting, whereby they're expected to outline some type of forward guidance and then also formalize their QE program. Whereas right now they're kind of, they're doing these open-ended purchases, um, providing more of a traditional QE guideline as far as time and, and purchase amount. Um, in terms of earnings, you had no big US releases last night. In the, This morning in Europe, you had ASML, Burberry, and then a couple of other smaller names. Nothing too controversial. Burberry is getting hit after its report. Um, you know, the guidance does point to ongoing COVID headwinds. ASML saw some initial pressure after its release. It since rallied back to about flat. Um, like I said, nothing too controversial on the earnings front. So that is everything for today in terms of news. I have an update on just the first day of bank earnings yesterday. And the reports largely um, were consistent, I think, with expectations in that you had huge trading numbers, blowout trading numbers. Trading was much better than expected, especially at JP Morgan, um, which had you know an enormous FIC figure. And then you have uh, you know huge provision numbers as well. So you have big provisions, big reserve builds. Uh, you know, the big takeaway I think investors are looking for in earnings is whether or not that reserve building process is coming to an end. Management teams did intimate that it should be coming to an end if the economic outlook unfolds consistent with their expectations, meaning that, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty as to how this virus is going to unfurl over the second half of this year um, and then the impact it will have on growth. So, I, you know, I, I definitely think that Q2 should be a peak for provisioning, um, but it's not necessarily the case that you're going to see reserve building and, you know, completely come to an end as of Q3. A lot will depend on just how, what happens with the economic environment. Um, and again, I have more details in the piece today on that. For the calendar for Wednesday, uh, the focus is going to be just on earnings for the most part. So, it's, you know, financials will really be the big highlight. You have Bank of New York, Goldman, PNC, and US Bank all this morning. The one non financial is United Health. That's the big non financial today. And then after the close, you have Alcoa. You have the Fed Beige Book at two o'clock. Uh, a couple of economic numbers as well, including the U.S. Empire Manufacturing Index, which usually isn't that important, although this is kind of the first, again, formal government economic statistic that we'll get for the month of July. So I think that will be in focus just to, you know, because it certainly does seem that the 
rebound in economic activity that you saw April, May, and June has certainly stalled um, as of July, just given the onslaught of COVID numbers. Um, in terms of the broader tape, my views are, are still the same. I definitely think that you're going to see kind of a shift in, in the fundamental news flow as the COVID spikes that we saw throughout June seeps into other statistics, including economic figures, like I said. Um, you know, I do think you're going to see stimulus grow less intense. That doesn't mean stimulus is going away at all. It's still massive, but you definitely have this U.S. fiscal cliff. The Fed is holstering some of its emergency measures. Um, you have elevated valuations. You still have political risks that are looming out there in November. Um, you know, so for all those reasons, I still think the risk reward is not all that compelling. Uh, so that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.